Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So we are in a series. This is the second message of a series on the topic of heaven, on the topic of eternity. Um, I want you to know that the relationship, there's a relationship between your life as you live it, doesn't matter how many days you're given, whether you're given 30 years or, or 100 years, there's a relationship between your life now and the afterlife, which we're just going to call eternity. How you live today matters, and it determines where you're going to spend your eternity. There's two places. They're very real places. One place is heaven. This is the place that God has created for you to spend eternity with Him. And, um, and, and that's His plan. That's His priority. He wants us to live with Him in heaven for all eternity, and eternity is like a long time. I don't know how long that is, but it's a very, very long time. But there is also a place that for those people that reject the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, you like, like when you reject Him, the Bible says that you have no place with Him, and you're either for Him or you're against Him. And so unfortunately, there is a place and, and I believe that he gives us multiple opportunities to receive Jesus as Lord. But when you reject him, um, there's no way he's going to force you to spend all eternity with him. And there's a very serious place called hell. And we believe in hell because the Bible talks about hell. And uh, we believe in heaven because the Bible talks about, it talks about heaven. And so there's a relationship between the life that you're living today and the life that you will live in and through all eternity. Come on, can we get a good amen? I want to share with you today that it's no secret that every single one of us are going to die. Put a smile on your face so it doesn't seem so serious. But you're all going to die. I'm going to die. We've just experienced a lot of loss in our, in our church family. Thank you, uh, Mr. Toondag, for your compassion. You're a compassionate person. Um, you really have a heart for people that are, that are, that are going through difficult things. I'm telling you, as, as, as my family is concerned, my family has felt the surrounding of our church family. I have literally felt the prayers and people, you know, the, 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 the thoughts that have come, you know, our direction. And I just want you to know I appreciate that. It has given me strength um, in, my, in my body. We just... Uh, we just lost my dad. My dad has raised me. It's my stepdad. I actually carry his name, Turner. Um, he's raised me um, pretty much since I was eight years old, except for the summer times. You know, he's raised me. So a lot of who I am, I am because of, because of him. He was a, he was a, a great man, and, and uh, we're going to miss him dearly. But he has gone to be with the Lord. He is no longer here. And I'm wonderfully grateful for the time that I was privileged to spend with him. And then this last week, we've lost a good friend of this church, a wonderful family 
a strong man, Darren Stelly. I believe he was just even a little bit younger than a little bit younger than, than I was, but battled cancer. I knew that I knew that I knew that God was going to raise him up. I just, when I would pray for him, I knew that God was going to raise him up, but God didn't raise him up. Well, he raised him up. He just didn't raise him up in the way that I thought he was going to raise him up. But, uh, but, but I'm telling you, when, when young, strong people like Darren Stelly, when they die, it, it, it does something. It shows us Truly, that tomorrow is not promised to anybody. If you were going to ask me a year ago if, if I ever thought that was going to happen, I, he would have been the last person that I would have thought. But, but Darren has gone to be with the Lord. Both of these instances, there's no question in my mind, they are with Jesus. And I'm not saying that just to, just to make you feel better or speak a bunch of fluff. Like I ultimately believe, without a question, without a doubt, these two men are probably hanging out right now in the presence of the Lord. I believe that wholeheartedly. So um, the goal for this life, at least for me, my goal is that when I go to heaven, whenever that's going to be, my goal is that there's going to be an incredible reunion that takes place. Like, like for me, and I don't know about you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, I want all of my friends and I want all of my family come on to be there uh, in that in that wonderful uh, long drawn out time of celebration, like I want the people that I love and that I care for, I want them to be there with me. Like I don't want anybody that I love to not to not be there. And so, if that's the case, it should move me. Come on, to live my life differently. Amen. And. And if you agree with that, that it should move you, if you are the same as me, you may not be, but if you are the same as me, it, could, it should cause you to live your life differently. I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in, in church for the most part. Like when I would go visit my real dad, uh, which lives in, in Twin Falls, and I'm grateful to, you know, to have him and, and, uh, in my life still. And, but when I would go visit him, my parents were divorced when I was a year old. When I would go visit my real dad and twin, um, he was always going to church. And, and he was, he, he just, he was, you know, God had saved him and, and done great things. And he's like, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to go to church. And he meant it. Like, like when the church doors were open, we were there. So we had, and you just, if, if, if this, you know what I mean? If this touches you because you can, you know, you did the same thing, just say amen. We went to church Sunday morning. We went to church Sunday night. We went to church Wednesday night. And then if there was a guest speaker, which they always had guest speakers, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning. And sometimes they'd stick around for a couple of weeks. Man, we were in church all the time. I grew up in church when I was spending my summers with my, with my dad. And I don't know about you, but you could say amen to this if, if, it, if you can relate to it. We used to talk a lot more about eternity than we talk about eternity today. Like we would talk, like back in the day when I was a kid, we talked about heaven all the time. But there was one topic that we talked about more than heaven and that was hell. We talked about hell all the time. I mean, we just, matter of fact, in my group of people that I spent life with and went to church with, it birthed something in us that I would call fear 
because we didn't know from one moment to the next if I was going to go to heaven or if I was going to go to if I was going to go to hell because we talked so much um, about it. I often remember as a child being so worried about, man, if Jesus comes back, and, and we talked about Jesus coming back a lot, right? When Jesus comes back, and if he comes back soon, I'd be in my bed, I'd say my prayers, I'd be in my bed, and I'd be like, if he came back right now, I don't, am I going to go to heaven, you know, or am I going to go, and I was always worried about that. I remember when this was in 1979, I was, I was eight years old in 1979, almost nine years old. But in 1979, there was a Cold War um, that was taking place, and there was a lot of chatter about Russia and a lot of chatter about the United States. And, 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 and it, this Cold War began to heat up quite a bit. And I remember, I can go back right now to our house in McNary, Oregon right on the Columbia River, hearing my parents talk and, 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 and just, oh my gosh, it could be this, like this is real. Like most people during this time, they could have been fearful about the war and them dying. I remember as a kid at eight years old, nine years old, not being so worried about dying, but worried about when I die and if I die in this war, like if we get attacked, where am I going to spend my eternity? Am I going to go to heaven or am I going to go to hell? Come on, all this talk about heaven and hell, it made, it made good rule followers, didn't it? How many of you, because of that, you're a good rule follower? Just raise your hand. I want to know all the rule followers. Like, raise them up. Don't be ashamed. Listen to Bunce, uh, you know, in the middle of all these rule breakers. See, I, I used to raise up if you're a rule follower. Don't be, like, be proud. Be a rule follower. I used to be a really good rule follower. Then I grew out of it. Um, <laughs> speaking of rule followers, like, like I, 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 I fly not as much as, as some of you fly, but I fly quite a bit. And um, any time that we fly, like, I'm all about getting the cheap deal. Like, I am a deal getter. I will, and Chris being, man, she'll get you a deal if you need to figure out a good deal on some flights. But I'm all about getting the good deal. And so a lot of times I will fly at night. They call it the red eye, right? Because you get, you get your ticket for less. It blows my mind, some of the rule followers, some of you out there. Like, they will have those barrier straps, like six miles of barrier strap that is to direct people like cattle to the slaughter. You know what I mean? You go all the way over here, and then you turn just a foot, and then you go all the way back over here, and then you turn just a foot, and then you go all the way back over here, and you turn just a foot. And, and these rule followers, there's nobody in the airport but maybe six of you. I just sit back and I'm just watching. They're going. Man, I'm busting the straps, unhooking them, crawling under them, going over them. I'm like, listen, my, I'm all about getting there as quickly as possible. That's just a suggestion. <laughs> there are different ways to approach life. And if there are different ways to approach life, then there are certainly different ways to approach 
how we view death and how we move into death. I believe that our, the way that we view death and the way that we view life is often shaped by our upbringing. I remember when I was a kid, there were, there were these, there was these books out. They were left behind books and everybody was reading them. And, and then there were movies that came out of the left behind series. And, and then I don't know about you, but, but I have been to so many cheesy plays, powerful but cheesy plays where, where there was the battle between heaven and hell. And every single one of those plays, there, was, there were people that were kicking and screaming and shrieking as the devil himself, a man, he was the youth pastor usually, but the devil himself <laughs> was dragging this poor individual and some of them were very extravagant. They would even have a pit on the stage and they'd throw them into the, into the hole and thunder and lightning and the light, <laughs> terrible lights. But anyway, you know, pyrotechnics going off and... And you would be scared to death. I don't want to spend time in hell. Anybody go to a play like that? I want to ask the Pentecostals. I don't know, this might go over and extend beyond the Pentecostal church, but I want to speak to those that were raised in the Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God, or any, any, any flavor, it doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you a question. I want to know if anybody can answer this. Like when Jesus comes back or the rapture takes place, where was the worst place that you could be as a Christian? At the movie theater. There's about four people that said it at the movie theater because the rapture was powerful enough to take you through the roof of a church but if you were in the theater you just go up you just keep hitting the top of it like you shouldn't have been at the movie theater there's no way you're going to get saved out of a movie theater you could be the best you know person somebody invites you and you're just like i'm just going to go to get along jesus comes back you're just going to be whacking on the top of that roof you're not going to heaven I'm telling you what, I was raised in that. I, 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 I believe that, man, okay, I'm at the theater. Some church brands, how many of you know there's different flavors of church and Christianity? Some church brands can accidentally whisper a prayer of salvation and they're eternally locked in heaven. Like there's nothing, their life doesn't have to change, but I prayed the prayer. You know, they could, they could get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the, of the church service, and whenever they come back in, you know, everybody's standing up, repeating, as we do from time to time, the prayer of salvation, and they just come in, they have no idea what they're doing, they just enter in because that's what everybody else is doing, they have no idea what, but, but because they said the words, now they're eternally secure and they're eternally saved because they just said some they said some words, there's no life change, no transformation. So there's that group. You could accidentally whisper the prayer of salvation and you're eternally just locked in. And then there was our group where you didn't know from hour to hour sometimes if you were going to be saved. You could be dying as a martyr for Jesus Christ at the very first time that 
the people that are killing you, they poke you with a knife, and you think a cuss word, you're going to hell. Just because you, you, just, you just thought it at the wrong time. That is kind of funny. So instead of eternal security, you've got eternal insecurity. And I'm just glad that the God that we serve is not like that. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that he's not like that. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 says this. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious Body. I just want to make a statement that I believe in, and that is this, that oftentimes we are too concerned with this earth and, and all that's going on in it, and we're not, as concern, we're not concerned enough about eternity and the, and the life that you and I are going to have that is going to come when you pass from this life to the next. One philosopher said this, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience We are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. Listen, I just want you to think about this. Get this in your your mind. Like when you go to, when you pass from this life to the next, like eternity is thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. It just keeps going and growing and, and I believe it never ends. So it just continues to go. But yet we have this life that the average male, I believe, today lives to the age of about 74. And the average female lives to about 78. And that means that there's an awful lot of people that are dying before the age of 74 and 78. And of course, some that are living beyond that. But I can just tell you this, that this moment in time, this second in all of time, millisecond in all of time, we put too much focus on, and not, not that we shouldn't focus on. I'm not saying don't focus on it, and it's not important, but I'm telling you what, we should be a lot more focused on eternity than sometimes we find ourselves focusing on eternity. Last week, I shared a couple of myths. The first myth that I shared last week was Heaven is like a never-ending church service. In fact, I have heard people say that if you don't like going to church, you're not going to like heaven. And I think that that is just terribly wrong. Come on, heaven is not going to be like one never-ending, boring church service. Our church service is not boring, amen? But I'm telling you what, Heaven is not going to be born. I'm telling you, everything that is beautiful, everything that is good, joy, happiness, laughter, fellowship, friendship, come on, fun, beauty, God's creation. He created the arts. He created music. He created everything that could be called good is good because of God being good. And we have heard people say things like, well, I don't want to go to that never-ending church service. I would be so out of sorts if I was in heaven. I'm going to hell where all my buddies are partying it up, 
First of all, you're not going to have anybody there because friendship is good and good being removed from an environment means that you're not going to have a friend, you're not going to have beer, you're not going to have weed, you're not going to have pills, you're not going to have fun, there's not going to be a party, there's going to be no laughter, there's going to be no joy, there's not going to be light, it's going to be complete darkness and it's going to be filled with torment. So the next time that you hear somebody make a foolish statement like that they're not going to be ready for you but make sure you talk to them about you're not going to experience any of that you better come to heaven with me amen nothing good is out there that doesn't come from god and i'm telling you everything that you've experienced in part everything that like Imagine the birth of your son or your daughter, how elated you were. Imagine when you entered into the waters of baptism and all you could do is just weep and cry. Come on, these are just little slivers of what it is that God has for you. We see in such minimal, like in part, like looking through a a stained glass, I can kind of see an image, but you couldn't handle the truth. I love that movie. You couldn't handle the fullness of what it is that God has for us. We would just kill over and, and we, would just, we would just die. Come on, God's best that he has for us is in heaven. Number two is this. I want you to listen. I want you to hear my heart. We will not be angels. I know that broke some of your hearts like right now. You're like, but I want to be an angel. <laughs> you know, we lost my, my dad, and, and I totally get, and I'm not, uh, just, I'm not even upset by it, but it's just interesting how we adopt certain things. People in, in, in their generosity were reaching out, and I'm telling you, my family feels so loved at this time. My whole family does with all of the just with all the prayers and nice things that have been said. And, but, uh, but some of the things that I've heard is, well, heaven got another angel. No. <laughs> heaven didn't get another angel. Well, he or she has finally gained their wings. No. <laughs> they didn't gain their wings. As heartbreaking as this might be, you will never be an angel. You are so much more valuable in God's eyes than angels. Amen? And so, I don't know where that comes from, but you, you study the Bible on angels and humans, and you will, you will see that, uh, that that's just not, it's just not... Um, correct. In fact, um, I can just say this, and, I, and I've just, I'm experienced, I'm in the grieving process right now, and so I'm sharing this not to be hurtful uh, of any, anybody that is recent. We've had a lot of loss in our community recently, but, but sometimes, like the, the job of the angel, we're going to hit that in a second, but when we think of angels, it's like, oh man, my guardian angel, they're just kind of watching out for him. Listen, the people that you love that were in Jesus Christ, like they are in the presence of Father God. So this isn't taking away anything. Their love, they love you. They would, they, they, 
you are like the bee's knees to those people that have gone on to be with the Lord, but they're in the presence of God. Like they are in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They're experiencing the anointing like we have never experienced it. I promise you, those people are not, like their, their job, they weren't given a job just to watch you and make sure that everything's fine all the time. Like they are worshiping the king. And this is what I believe, as hard as it might be, even as I speak it about my dad, I believe that if my dad was given the opportunity to come back like right now or stay where he is at, he'd probably be like, they'll be here soon enough. You know what I mean? I really, I think that we have no clue what that is going to be like and how amazing that is. But guess what? Darren Stelly understands what that's like. Come on, he is absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Guess what? Mike Turner knows what that's, what that's like. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My friend up here knows, his, you know, is, is experiencing the loss of a, of a, a son. They, knows exactly what that's like. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Come on, no more pain, no more sickness, no more disease. Come on, complete joy and happiness in, in, in levels that we have never experienced before. One guy, this is back when I was drinking all the time, one guy, uh, I remember him being in the bar. Now listen, drunk driving's always been terrible, always. Um, but there was a time where you just didn't talk about it enough and, and, or as much, and so a lot of people just did it. They would drink and they would, they would get behind the wheel of a vehicle. Very dumb thing to do, and I just want you to know that that's my stance. The dumbest thing a person can do is, is operate any kind of big machinery under the influence of anything. You know, people get hurt and killed that way. But this guy would get hammered in the bar all the time. And, and I was with him a lot. So, but he would, he would his time would 2, 2, 2, 30, 2 o'clock in the morning, the bar shuts down. And he would have an angel that he would wear, either on a coat or a shirt. Or he, and this hammer, keep me safe going home. Tap it three times. Keep me, no, dummy. How about either not drink anymore, which I couldn't tell him at that time because I was with him, or... Drink responsibly. You know, if you get that, that tore up, don't get behind. Like that pen's not going to do anything for you is what, I'm, is what I'm saying. Hebrews 1 and 14 says it like this. Now this is, gives us a definition of angels. All angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are meant for salvation. So Angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to those meant for salvation. That's you and that's me. Jesus did not die for one angel, but he, dove, he died for you and he died for me. Amen. Come on, angels are not reincarnated human beings. You understand what I'm saying? They've, angels have been around forever, since the beginning. God created them a lot, longer, a lot sooner than, than what we were created, but I want you to know you're never going to be an angel. Say, that's all right, because we're better than that. Number three is this. We will 
know each other when we're in heaven. I want you to know that we will know each other when we're in heaven. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part or, or in fraction, uh, in percentage, then I shall be known just as I am also known. Now this is talking mainly, I believe, about God. Like, like we will know him. There's a time where we will know him just like he knows us right now. There's going to be no fog, no shadiness. You know, what we're going to see clearly. Right now we see dimly. The lights are barely on enough for you to be able to walk and not trip and stumble. Then it's going to be completely, the light is going to be brighter than anything that you've ever experienced. But I also believe that we are going to be known we're going to know one another just as we are known by others. I want you to know that we will recognize each other, or at least most of you will be recognized by others. Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to share it in the form of a, of a, of a, a story. There was a lady that had, uh, that had died, and she was in her mid-twenties, and she had died, and, and she had gone to heaven, and she said, wow, it's, this is way sooner than what I, what I thought, and, and so she was given the promise. She said, no, you're actually going to go back. You're going to live. You're going to go back, and you're going to live another 40 years, and so she's been given this promise by God himself. You're going to get 40 more years, and and so she goes back, and, and uh, man, she's just living because she knows she's got 40 more. She's going to be 60-something when she, when she passes. And so she's just living, and she says, man, I'm going to live right. I'm going to do everything that I want to do. And she went, and she got a, a little lift here and there, and she got some plastic surgery here and there. And she was just really put her, she's like, man, I'm going to be around, and plus I've been given this promise and so she goes back to her last, from her last surgery, she goes outside and boom, she gets ran over by a bus. So she's in heaven again and she says, God, I thought you promised me, you know, 40 more years. He said, well, I didn't recognize you. I, I didn't. So when I say, So when I say you'll be recognized, like some of you might not be recognized because you, you have like blonde hair, but you've had brunette hair for the last 30 years. And I don't know how God's going to handle that. It's like, wow, she's been this way for most of her life. Just give her brunette hair. Or if it'll go back to the, I don't know how that's going to work. But I do believe that you'll be recognized. This is one thing I can tell you is you're going to be totally happy and secure with who you are. Amen. Amen. Everybody's going to be beautiful because you're going to be, you're, 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 you're in the image of God and there's no competition, there's no, we, don't have, we won't have the insecurities that we have today. Come on somebody, we are, we are riddled with insecurity. It's crazy what insecurity and jealousy and all of these things will cause us to do that God's probably just looking at us like, really? Come on guys. Um, so one person asked, if heaven is so amazing, why don't we talk about it more often? I honestly think, I was thinking about this, this is probably the first time that I've talked about heaven in a series since I've been here, which is wild to me. 
we've talked about hell and, and whatnot before, but why do people not, if it's so amazing and it's such a, an important topic, why are we not talking more about it? And I honestly believe that the reason we're not talking more about it is because we love our lives how they are right now, even with all the brokenness that we're surrounded with. And can I just tell you this, that that's okay to love your life because when he says, listen, I'm going to give you life and life abundantly, he wasn't just speaking about whenever we're in heaven, like that's when life begins. He's talking about like right now. We talk about that a lot, that the abundant life can be experienced right now. But the life that God has for us in heaven, we might not be ready for because you know why? Because we have unfulfilled dreams. I, I remember, I remember, and, and Matt Johnson, he reminded me, he was one of these people, but young people, they're like, man, I hope God doesn't come back too soon because I've never been married. In first service, Matt was like, that was me. I, and I was like, I remember having that conversation. He was like, man, I hope God doesn't. He had never, he, he'd never experienced marriage. He wanted to experience marriage. Some of us, we don't want to talk about heaven because, not that we don't want to go there, we just don't want to go there right now because we've got kids. Or we don't have kids. Maybe you're married and you want to have a family and you even haven't had a child, so you're like, I'm not ready for heaven yet. Or, or you have kids and it, and it becomes, I just want to see them graduate. And then when they graduate, you have kids and it's like, I just want to see them get married. I want to walk them down the aisle. And so we're not ready for heaven or eternity because, because we've got unfulfilled dreams. In fact, it would be interesting. Like if God came to me before service today and he said, he said Travis, I'd be like, yes, God. <laughs> no, I'd actually be on my face. Yeah. Yes, God. Unworthy. Uh, but if he came to me and he said, listen, I'm going to do something really new in Grace Church. I've never done this before. But I've got a roll of these tickets. I got a, a roll of tickets, and these are these are heaven tickets. I'm ready for some people. You know what? We haven't seen enough people in a while. I'm ready for some people. Listen, give your church an opportunity to have a ticket and come to heaven right now. Like if I had that, the truth is there would be many people that are here right now. You'd be like, God, I want to go. Rain check. You know, can I, can I go later? I'm not ready right now because there's some things that, that I want to do. But that's the reason why a lot of people, maybe we don't talk about it, is because we love our lives right now. We have unfulfilled dreams. We've got some things that we still want to do in this life. When Lazarus died, Jesus showed up to Lazarus' grave four days late. Do you remember that? He, he shows up, and what did he come into? They're, the sisters were crying, and they were sobbing, and they were heartbroken, and, and everybody was mourning the loss of their friend or their, their brother or their relative, and, and Jesus shows up. And you know what Jesus' response was? Jesus' response was to, he wept and he cried too. Have you ever thought about that? That he knew that he was going to raise them up. He knew that he was going to raise Lazarus up. In fact, one person said they had to call Lazarus by name. When they said, Lazarus, come forth, they had to call him by name because if he just said, come forth, like the whole grave would come out of the grave. I thought that was cool. Everybody would have just raised it. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes 
out with these grave clothes on. And, and it was a huge celebration. But he wept with these people because he understands how heartbreaking it is when we lose somebody that we love. But you know what? I, I could tell you about Lazarus. I can tell you that Lazarus never approached death the same that he approached it before he had died the first time. Like he had a new, he had a new outlook on death. In fact, if he experienced heaven, probably like maybe he did, I don't know, I, I don't know. But he was probably like, you could have left me there. I'd have been just fine. But even though he continued, he came back and he lived, I guarantee you he was never fearful of dying again. I promise you that. I believe it because he had experienced something beyond the grave. But yet it's hard for us because we love these people so well. I love my dad. I'm going to miss him. But I'm telling you what, I know with, and once again, this isn't to, this isn't just because I'm supposed to talk this rhetoric. I'm telling you there's something inside of me where I know in the days that I had when he was just laying in that bed, incoherent, I'm thankful for the time that we got a chance to spend. I spoke over his life and I told him, Dad, you're a good man. You're a generous man. You've been good to this family. You've been a good husband, a good father. But I told him, I said, Dad, you know what? The greatest thing that I can, and the, and the thing that gives me the most joy that I can speak over your life, he's not responding. I'm having a one-way one conversation. But I know for a fact he, he's, he was hearing me. I believe that. I said, Dad, the greatest thing that I can say about you is that you belong to Jesus. And I want you to know that if there's any fear, I'm asking that God just cast out all fear because what's in store for you is so much greater than anything. And so this is hard for anybody that has recently lost somebody or if you've lost somebody a long time ago. But I want you to listen to this statement. When they have died and if they're in Jesus Christ... If you're buried with Christ, you will also be raised again with him in newness of life. Just as Jesus was buried, came alive again, you too will come alive in newness of life. I can tell you this, that those people that you love so much and that those people loved you so much, when they stepped across that veil, that, I believe, was the happiest day of their entire life. I don't think they, as much joy and happiness that they experienced while they were here, I don't believe that it can hold even a candle to what it is, the joy and the happiness that they experienced being in the full presence of the Lord. Amen? And that's not to hurt anybody, it's to encourage everybody. Doesn't mean that they don't miss you, but I'm just telling you what, I just think that I think that what their experience is, is, is incredible. How many of you here were able to go on family vacations when you were growing up? How many of you were ever able to take your, your family on family vacations? Like, it's just something you look forward to. So, we, weren't, we, weren't, we never really had a bunch of money, but there was two really great vacations that my wife and I were able to take our family on that were super memorable. One was Disneyland. 
And we had to, we had to save and put money aside. And, and, um, and the way that we did it, instead of buying the kids individual gifts during Christmas, we sent them on a scavenger hunt. We lived in Nampa. We had about an acre of property. And we, we sent them here, and then they'd get a clue, and then they'd go there. And, then they, and so anyway, at the end of this, we revealed that, listen, we're all going to Disneyland, which was very, very exciting. Disneyland is an expensive place to go. It's, it's almost like you make the decision to send one of your kids through four years of college and pay for their education or go to Disneyland. That's how, that's how, but we, we, we had an incredible time. And then the second place was as we went to Maui together as a family. We did all the snorkeling and that was incredible. I love, I love the water. And, um, and to be able to do that as a family was remarkable. But this is what I want you to know. I want you to know that when you plan to go on a trip like this, you, you plan for months, you save your money, right? You're talking about it all the time. Three more weeks, we're going to be in Disneyland. You buy a new wardrobe. You got to have the right clothes if you're going to Disneyland, right? And then if you're going to to, you know, to a place where there's a beach and you're thinking, uh, I'm going to have to take my shirt off, you may even diet for three months because you're just not going to let it all hang out. You know what I mean? You're just going to diet and you're going to get in shape. So you do all this planning and preparation for a vacation. And I'm just saying, what would happen if we planned a little bit more for the destination of heaven that we are going to be spending an awful long time with. Come on, what if we lived with an eternal perspective? Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11 says this, that he has set eternity in the heart of every person. That means that we are aware that there's got to be something more than this life. And people fight it. No, no, no. This life is really all it's about. And so eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. What a sad place come on to be in a sad way to live because God has put eternity in your heart. You know that there is something more. The awareness is there. So an eternal perspective will do a few things. The first thing it'll do is it'll cause you to live out the gospel. It'll cause you to live out the gospel. William Booth, which was the founder of the Salvation Army, this is what he said. He said many Christians like to send their children and their disciples to Bible college for five years. I'd like to send them to hell for five minutes. That would do more than anything else in preparing them for a life of compassionate ministry. If they could experience hell for five minutes, like I would be on the other side of that. I'd be like, you know, many people want to send their children or their disciples to Bible college for five years. I would love for everybody that I knew and that I loved and I cared for to be able to experience five minutes in heaven. Because I believe that if they knew what was to come, it would change the way that they live. And I'm telling you, with an eternal perspective, it causes you to live out the gospel. An eternal perspective will drive you to tell other people about Jesus and talk to them about heaven. Do you know this, that Jesus took every opportunity to populate heaven in and through relationship and in and through his conversations that he had with people. He was on mission. He was on point. 
And I just want to encourage you that even starting today, that as you go from this place, begin to tell the people that you bump into that they were created to impact the lives of other people. I want you to tell the people that there's a reason that you live where you live, that there's a reason why you work where you work. There's a reason why your kids are on that soccer team with all those other kids and all those other moms and all those other dads. I'm telling you this, that God has created you, come on, in and through relationships and having a vision for eternity to help him to populate heaven by sharing your life with them in such a way that will bring them to a place of repenting of their sins and asking Jesus to be their Lord and their personal Savior. The last thing I want to know is somebody that I had the opportunity to share the gospel with but I passed because it wasn't convenient. And they passed, not having that opportunity from me to receive him. Come on, there's a purpose for every single person that you will encounter. I want you to ask the question, who is in your world that is waiting to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and go to heaven because of your life and your relationship and your friendship to them? Who do you have in your world right now that doesn't know him, but because you've been positioned in such a time as this, that they are going to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Who is that person that's in your life that God said, listen, I love that person so much. I know it seems like their, mess, their life is a little bit of a mess, but I love them so much that he put you in the position that you're in. Well, listen, our kids just play soccer on the same team. He says, exactly. I have positioned you. I positioned your child on that soccer team, not so he could, you know, gain better skills, not so that he could just be coached by this great coach, but so that you could have an opportunity to speak to his mom and dad because this kid that's not being raised in a Christian home because of you, they're going to get saved and they're going to raise this child in the ways of the Lord. Come on, the Great Commission is not the great suggestion. When he says all are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he means all. Teach them to observe the things that I've taught you. Baptize them. Amen? So good. An eternal perspective gives us hope even near death. I, I, I'm not going to beat this up too much, but I'm, I just already shared with you when I was at the bed. So, so this, is, this is the cool thing. Just listen to this for a second. My dad, that I'm getting ready to do his service tomorrow morning at 11, and I would covet your prayers. There was a time, and my dad has always been generous. He was a, he was a, a, a strong man, a little bit hard at times. Um, but he was the one person that I thought, man, I, I could... God, so I had been saved about five years. When I got saved, I started having this conversation with God thinking... Ah, I can see a lot of things, and God, I know you're capable of doing amazing things, and nothing is beyond your reach, but I cannot see Mike Turner giving his heart to you, like you being the Lord of his life, like him taking second chair to you. I just couldn't, and I almost felt bad like God was going to strike me down or something just for, for saying that, but it was, it was four years later, five years, I don't know, something, it wasn't very long. <laughs> I got a phone call from my dad saying, I've given my heart to Jesus. And he was automatically delivered from some things that had some strongholds on his life. And his life was changed. And this is the cool thing is, is I had the ability 
I believe that I not played the big part, but I believe I played a part in him being saved. Because I had just a few years before that got radically saved. He knew me. He, he was the one that disciplined me. Like, when are you going to get it figured out, Travis? He was the... And so automatically, my life radically changes. And of course, my conversation is about the goodness of God and how much He loves us. I believe that I got a chance to play a part in that. Who is God using you to play a part in their salvation? Right? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, We do not lose heart, though, our outer self, like this shell of ours, is wasting away. I've got a friend that goes to this church. I spend a good deal of time with him, and he just had a birthday, and, and uh, he's in his, in, in his uh, 60s now, and, and he just said, man, I just, man, I just, my body just feels like I'm dealing with stuff, and I felt the same way at 40. I thought it was bad at 35. I'm like, oh, my body's falling apart. I would love to go back to what I had at 35. I'm 48 now, and it feels like, man, I got creaks, and I'm dealing with things that I did when I was a kid that are showing up in a big way, you know, right now. And so it says that don't lose heart, even though our outer self is wasting away. Like, this is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light in, the momentary, in this momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now listen, this was written by the Apostle Paul, which was, had a, he, was, he was taken up or either had a vision of being in heaven. And so I believe the Apostle, through some of his writings, he's saying, listen, just wait until you see. I'm not going to waste a lot of words explaining what it's going to be like, but it is more fabulous than you can even imagine. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says this, and regarding the question, my friends, that has come up about what happens to those already dead and buried, we don't want you to live in the dark any longer. First off, and this is to us that are living, you must not carry on over them like people who have nothing to look forward to, as if the grave were the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly Bring back to life those who died in Jesus. I want you to know, church, that death is not dead. Death is alive. In fact, if we believe what God says in His Word, that I believe that life it takes on a completely different meaning, one that we haven't even been able to experience, something so much greater that we, can't even, we don't even have the brains to comprehend what it's going to be like. But death is not dead. Death is alive. And it's very much alive. And so the people that have gone on and they're in Jesus, man, that should do something within us that help us. Yes, do we miss them? Absolutely. Are we mourning? Are we sad? Yes. And is that okay? Yes, yes, and yes. But it should do something at the end of the day. You know what? They truly are in the presence of God. And they're experiencing Jesus in a way that even on my best day, I've not been able to experience him. Come on, let that encourage you, please, today. 
the last thing that I want to share with you is with an eternal perspective. Your kids will desire it too. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go or she should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it, right? That's what it says. We do that all the time. That's like, like our key scripture when we dedicate babies. Train up a child in the, in the ways of the Lord. But you know this word train up, it actually it has a meaning. It, it, the meaning is touch the palate. Now I want you to stick with me just for a little bit. What is the, what's a palate on the body? Don't stick your tongue out at me, but just. So to train up a child means to touch the palate. I remember as a kid growing up in, in, in Oregon, and, and we lived on the Columbia River. We had hundreds of acres of BLM land for long stretches, but not very wide between where we lived in the Columbia River. So I grew up on the river. And it would get hot back in the day in Umatilla, Oregon. And as a kid, man, we were running all over the place. And we were running all the time and running with all the kids and just having a great time. We didn't have a bunch of money. We never went without, but we didn't have like a bunch of soda and stuff like that in the, in the refrigerator. No fancy like Coke. If we ever got that, it was like Shasta. You know what I mean? The much less expensive. You're buying the name. It's the same. It's not the same, but anyway. <laughs> but we didn't hardly ever even get that. What we got was Kool-Aid. And this was back in the day before there was fancy Kool-Aid. Like you had two choices. Who could tell me what those choices were? These guys are saying root beer, punch, and fruit punch. No, back in the day, we had cherry and grape. That was it. And I love Kool-Aid. My mom was so good, man. She, she always had a big pitcher of Kool-Aid. And we'd come in all sweaty. We'd be running around and come in all sweaty. And we were thirsty. We'd break into the refrigerator, had a big Pitcher, Kool-Aid, take two hands, you know, big hands, two little hands to hold it up, put it out on, and then we had to go up top. We didn't have the side-by-side freezers. We didn't have the, we didn't have the ice that came out of the door. We had the old trays that you would pull out, and, and there was a way that you cracked them trays. You had to twist the tray. Ice cubes, if you did it right, they would jump out almost right into your glass. Fill your glass up, big glass, plastic glasses that you'd get from, you know, some convenience store. Big plastic glasses that you would use over and over, filled with ice, and then you'd pour that Kool-Aid in there. You had to let it, let it set for a little bit, because it had to be the perfect temperature. Then you would dive into that Kool-Aid. And I'm just telling you what, there's times, I'm 48 years old, there's times where I desire nothing more than a glass of great Kool-Aid. Like, it does something for me. This is amazing. And you had to have, like, cups of sugar in it, too, you know? I mean, not just like they. Those were just recommendations on the packet. You know, you double it up, and you're going to be... 
Like, I love that. And then my dad, he, my dad that I'm getting ready to do his service tomorrow, he, um, he's got a sweet tooth, and I think I got his sweet tooth. I love the sweets. My dad always had cookies and milk before bed. Guess what I like to do? So I'm carrying on the legacy of cookies and milk. But um, my dad used to go to the store, and he would get these pies. They were hostess pies. And and once again, there was only a couple flavors back in the day. Now you can get a lot of different flavors. But but his favorite hostess pie, they were just these little ones in the in the packet. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. They had this uh, this corrugated, I can just picture it. You got the plastic or the, the wrap around, then it had a, a piece of uh, like a corrugated little piece that the little pie would sit on. You'd, you'd open it up and, and he loved the lemon and he would give us a couple lemon at, you know, in, in the kitchen, a couple like we had a spot for the lemon pies. But my dad, he would take a bunch more and hide them in his room. He would stash them out. You know what I mean? It's like, we'll give a couple to the kids, but this is it, thinking that we couldn't find them. I had a nose for lemon pies. I'm telling you, the same thing with Christmas presents. Don't think you're going to buy Christmas presents and I'm not going to find them. Once again, I'm the rule breaker, okay? Sometimes today, Nothing greater than having one of those lemon pies for me. Why? Because it touched my palate. And I've got memories of those things and experience with taste and and time come together, even though there's been a great deal of separation. And all I'm saying is, is that whenever you have an eternal perspective, you pass on eternity and things that are important to your children. This is why it's important when you come into the house of the Lord that you actually worship God. Well, you know what? I just worship in my own way. That's fine if you're worshiping, but most of the time, uh, many times, not most, I don't want to speak on, many times people are so, con- they're, they're, they're so concerned with the problems, and so we can brush through a whole worship set and not even in, engage and encounter. Come on, when you come into this place, the young people they're not just, they're not just gonna, their palate's not just going to be messed with by them seeing you lift your hands, by them seeing you sing and clap your hands. What's most important that when you begin to worship God, the presence of the Lord begins to fill the temple. And so when you touch the palate of a child in and through worship, they're going to experience the presence of God in a way that they might not experience, not that it's God's limited on that, but they might not experience it if we're not worshiping. So we should be a people that worship when we come into the house. Pat Sears, he's back here. Raise your hand just real quick. He, so many people called me and sent me texts. Travis, I'm sorry about your dad. And, and I had a chance to give him a, a hug and, and appreciate him just a little bit. And he said, you know what? I, uh, because of your dad's passing, it gave me the opportunity to talk to my kids, gather my kids around, and they were asking about what happens in the in this and that. And how many of you know that he's touching the palate? Come on, he's having the conversation. Come on, if God's put eternity in us, they're thinking about it. So give them something good to look forward to. Not too soon. 
But just so that whenever it comes to that point, I can tell you this, and, and, I, and I've, I've been at the bedside of a lot of people that have passed just because of the nature of what I do. People that are in Christ are very different when they pass than people that are not in Christ. Some, some people that, are, that, that don't believe in God, haven't given God a second of their time or their thoughts, are some of the most tormented people when they're passing from this life to the next life. But yet, even with my dad and so many other people, it's like there's no question. And, and, and my mom was in the room the night that he passed. She was in the room all the time. And I said, Mom, exactly what time did he go? She said, I don't know. And I thought, you know what, Mom, that's beautiful. You don't even know. You were there in and out. But you couldn't, there was no marker that, that no struggle, no, no, no last fight. He just, he was there a, a one second and he was gone the next. I'm telling you, church, it makes a difference. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your, your personal Savior, I, I encourage you that this is the greatest decision. That it's, the, it's the most important decision of every other decision that there is to be made. Like this is the one decision. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the only begotten of the Father? Do you believe that he was the fullness of God manifest in the flesh? Do you believe that he lived a sinless life and laid down his life so that you can live? And if you believe that in your heart, you need to ask him to forgive you of your sins. And even if you've done that in the past, but you've been serving yourself, repent of your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you. Do not let a second go by without doing that because I'm telling you, and this is not a ploy to, boy, I got him. I really just moved him today. You have no clue. You have no clue how many days you have on this earth. And I'm telling you this, that the way that you live today is going to affect your eternity and Jesus died so that you can live not just now, but in eternity with him. Would you please receive him? If I could beg of you, if you've come into this place and you're like, ah, that's just for a bunch of weak people. I'm telling you, it's not just for a bunch of weak people. It is the truth. God loves you so much that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, they believe, yes, I believe Jesus. They would not perish, but they would have everlasting life. God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I don't want to be the shot caller of my life anymore. I want to serve you. Uh, your word talks about how you'll direct our steps. Takes away all the guesswork. That's what I want, Lord. I invite you to be my Lord and my personal Savior. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. I've broken your heart. I've hurt people. Please forgive me, but help me, God, just to be the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Fill me with your spirit baptize me, fill me up, God, change me from the inside out, make me a new creation, I've seen people change, I thought it was a ploy, I thought it was just, you know, boy, they're good actors, but God, I, yeah, the longer I watch them, the more I see that there's something really significant that's happened, and God, I want that, if you can do that for me, you know, I might not be like them, but if you can do that for me, I would just, I'll serve you, and I'm just saying that church, this is the, the, this is the big decision. Like there's a lot of other decisions you can afford to get wrong. This is not one of them. You cannot get this one wrong. 
A lot is on it. And I'm just telling you, not only is your life going to change for the better today, but your life is going to change for the better in all eternity. Thousands, I can't even, it hurts my mind. My brain is so small. My ability to comprehend things is so limited. It literally hurts when I think how long is that. It just, it just doesn't end. It matters. So I'm asking you, accept Jesus. Say, God, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I want to serve you. That, you could say that any hundred different ways as long as it grabs a hold of that. And if you want some help, I would love to, I would love to be, be here and help you through that. Somebody helped me through it. So we're available. But I hope you receive the word of the Lord today. God loves you very much. He loves you in life and he loves you in death. And he loves you in life when it really begins was, was whenever we pass from this to the next. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.